Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? (laughs) Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Or, as I like to say... I had that taken out. How in the heck did that guy leave that review saying, you know, those guys, that show's just annoying and immature. Way too silly. Way too silly. That was his headline. Way too silly. (laughs) Was it really? Yeah. I love it. And I love the fact that two weeks later, we're still talking about it. (laughs) How can we not talk about it? And what's funny is since then, we received a a five-star review. Yet what's the one we want to talk about? The guy who gave us two stars. We don't hey, even care. And, and thank you for the five star. Actually, review. that that was clearly a response. Well, here's here's a, a message I got on Facebook from Kirk Overstreet, the son of Don the Baptist. <laughs> he he uh, he sends me this Facebook message. You rocked episode number one fifty. Thank you. Those principles you laid out fit uh, from evangelical or from evangelism to leader development. Keep keep on keeping on. And then he put five stars. Now, I I hope that he's also rated us on iTunes and given us the five stars there. (laughs) But here was the funny thing to me. As I saw it last night, he used those emojis and he put five emoji stars, but they're the Jewish stars. So I'm wondering, is that like special for us? Are we a little bit, you know, a little bit better because those are those are the Jewish star of David, you know, it was a holy five stars. Oh, we're way too silly, Batman. (laughs) We're way too silly, but we get the Jewish five stars. Heck yeah, baby. That's all I'm you talking know, about. He he is funny, by the way. Um, Kirk, Kirk's my brother from another mother, my homie from another crummy. And uh, he is a catalyst. He was in Orange County. Now he's out in the Inland Empire. But that guy sends me the funniest emojis. I didn't know what an emoji was <laughs> until he started sending them. He'd be like sending me something. All of a sudden, he'd have like, you know, Stallone from, you know, the Untouchables. Uh, not the untouchables. What's, what's the one? The expendables, the expendables. And you have all these guys like slogging beer and smoking cigars and all these little emojis with those dudes. So I found the power Rangers ones and I, I whip him back some power Rangers every once in a while. Well, what I think is funny is he's also a biker. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, he is. Yeah. It's awesome. And then, and then this was his follow-up message to me. Don't tell Mr. Jones. So just close your ears right now. Uh, I listen to the uh, Church Planner podcast and side mostly with you. Now, 
I can't prove that he said that. You just have to trust me that he said that. <laughs> it's not like it's a soundbite like Jonathan Ferguson that I can keep playing over and over again. But uh, but it's you there. You made that up. No, no. It's there. I'm telling you, baby. It's there. But notice that he carefully worded it so it was not going fully to the dark side by saying that he happens to agree with somebody. He did. He did put mostly. <laughs> right. So what does that mean? I don't know. I, I don't I don't know, but I, I don't know. I mean, do we do we disagree that often? That was that was on reading. Remember it was on reading. <laughs> that was on back. reading. That was because you're such a reader. Well, you know, when I'm having a bad day, I like to curl up with a little John Wesley, you know, crack the spine on some Spurgeon. And I just I get recharged. And that's what you need to do, church planner. So that's so true. And Pete's like, uh, no, no, most people are not like you. You're a book nerd. Well, I, you know, I honestly can't even say that most people aren't like you, at least to our audience, because pastors are like that. Like the biggest single marketing thing that we've done in the history of Church Planner Magazine, Church Planner Podcast was the Church Planner Library Book Giveaway. Like yeah. we had people from all over, like entering this contest to win books. The dude who won, Travis Lynn was hunting in the middle of whatever backwards oh he lives in. That's still my favorite episode ever. We cyberstalk him and we're both like friending him on Facebook while he's hunting. Yeah, it was live on the podcast. We we have this brilliant idea. Hey, let's call him right now as we're doing the podcast. I don't know why someone would say we're immature and annoying. So we literally <laughs> I don't know why they'd give us two stars. Him. Come on. We just kept the kept the tape rolling. It is it is seriously my favorite podcast. And it's, it was right when it. I said, okay, this is enough of this. We're done. <laughs> he like responds back to us on Facebook. And we're like, dude, we're doing the podcast right now. Can we call you? And then you remember what he said? He's like, Look, yeah. when I'm hunting, I don't care what's happening in your life. I am not your pastor when I'm hunting. I'm busy hunting. And he's like, but you told me I won 30 books. I'm going to call you back. Yeah, he actually, he, we, we completely wrecked his deer hunt for the day. I mean, he was done. He had to be. He had to be. What can he, he do? He had been out it? since like four in the morning and <laughs> he traveled out to go hunt deer. And we're like, he's like, well, that's done now. Because <laughs> he answers the phone in the middle of a hunt. He's like, my wife knows not to call me. Everyone knows. I don't care what's going on. I'm not taking your call. He keeps getting this bzz, ding, ding, ding. Because we're like, hey, Travis, pick up your phone, man. Hey, Travis, <laughs> friend us on Facebook. Hey, tweet, tweet, Travis. <laughs> we're like, what's your phone number? What's your phone number? Come on, man. Give us your phone number. We're, we're live right now. Come on, man. Dude, that was that was comedy. That was one of the best. That was good. So what's been happening in your life for, oh, you know what? I, actually, before we get to the smack talk, why don't you tell everyone what's our topic for the week? Oh, our topic today is preaching, and it is the first in a series on preaching. I've been holding off on this because it's weighty, man. I, you know, uh, talking about preaching, it's one of my favorite things on the planet. So, I, you know, I kind of, I've been pushing it off. I keep doing other topics because I'm like, oh man, when we do the preaching one, I want it to be really, really good. And uh, so. It just is today. I don't know if it's going to be really good, but I, I finally went, man, you got to stop pushing off doing this and making it bigger in your head than it is. Just do it. So we're going to do preaching today. Part one. Jeez, I got to take a leak so bad I can taste it. I felt like that was an appropriate follow up after that serious introduction you just gave to the week's topic. Yeah, it may not be appropriate, but it's typical of us. It is. It pretty much is. Welcome it's typically inappropriate. Yeah. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by MoGive. M-O-G-I-V. I love MoGive. MoGive mm. is my favorite organization on the planet outside of, well, actually, I, I got a list of things I actually like more, like my organization, uh, Church Planter Magazine. You know, I got to start their whole, whole uh, advertisement all over again. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the church. You know, I'm not actually cutting out the beginning, right? You know, there's a lot of things I really like better than MoGive. <laughs> but when it comes to cheap online giving solutions, 
There's nothing I like more. There is okay. nothing I like more. You know what's funny is I actually had a uh, another organization come to me who wanted help marketing their online giving platform that they had for churches. Wow. You know what I told them? Nope. I said, well, how much money you got? And when it wasn't more than MoGive, I said, I'm sorry. I can't help you. And, and in fairness, I don't think you did. Because uh, I remember someone someone approached us as a competitor to uh, Simplify Church. And we said no. Yeah. Straight out the gate. No. Why, you know, why is it that those two types of organization, the online giving and the uh, the accounting bookkeeping services, why are those the only ones that get advertising? Like, I don't know. Probably because they're all about money. <laughs> they deal with money <laughs> all the time, right? Money. They understand how money works. They understand the value of a client. I don't know. I'm just thinking if, if you've got a business, I mean, that, obviously my whole business is marketing outside of the podcast here. So I'm always thinking about marketing and advertising, but. Anyway, I don't know. Just a side thought. That's it's interesting that those are the in- industries that have come to us. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, hey, b- back if, to our uh, point about MoGive. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, are our, 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 We're actually in a commercial. We're right in now. a commercial for MoGive. Do it. They are the best online and text-based giving platform. They are built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. If you're thinking to yourself, "Gosh." I need to give uh, people an opportunity to be able to donate and tithe online, which is the preferred method of giving nowadays. The days of even having checkbooks are almost gone away. You need to have something like MoGive. So go on over to MoGive.com forward slash church. And Peyton, how is that spelled? M-O-G-I-V.com. MoGive. The best in the world. So anyway, um, what other smack talk we got? What, you what know, do you got going on? I, I don't have any smack talk. Oh, by the way, um, should we should we let Hulkster pop us in? Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast runs wild on you? <laughs> so if you don't know anything about the podcast, it's your first time. We apologize. <laughs> but what we do every week is we actually talk a bunch of junk. We just we call it smack talk because we don't know what this part of the show is actually about. It's me and Pete screwing around because we're friends. Then we'll kick into something useful. It'll be almost like two shows for the price of one. And uh, you, you actually just made me think of a, a soundbite that we haven't played in a while that really shows just how fun and energetic we can be. Hi, this is Frank Viola from BeyondEvangelical.com, and you're listening to one of the most entertaining podcasts on the web today, the Church Planter Podcast with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. I'm just saying. Did you hear how he did that train sound effect? Like almost like a ventriloquist at the same time. It was awesome. I'm just Frank saying, the ventriloquist Viola. That would be his hitman name. A hundred thousand downloads, and you're the first to give us a two star. It's you. It's not us, baby. It's you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he did say we're one of the most entertaining. But he, I, he did. I, did we tell him to say that? I don't know because I remember you had to have him redo it because he was like, "I thought I was doing this for Peyton. Who's this Pete guy? Why do I got to include him on anything?" <laughs> so uh, hey. So, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. Well, how about this? Hey, this is Lance Ford, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planting with the two greatest metrosexual hosts in church planting world that you'll ever meet. Oh, nailed it. That's us. He did. Hey, you know, actually, on a side note, uh, I, this isn't really smack talk. This is, this is actually borderline serious. Huh, maybe I shouldn't even bring it up. No, I'm going to bring it up anyway. So I'm reading on Facebook, getting my news, because as we all know, that's where I get my news is from that's Facebook. That's where we get our news from the Church Planner Podcast, all yeah. from Facebook, folks. And someone had put on uh, Facebook, there was uh, an article on Kay Warren who uh, was talking about suicide and telling uh, people that you know suicide isn't an unforgivable sin. Like you're not condemned to go straight to hell just because you committed suicide. And it was it was heartbreaking and disturbing to see, you know, the what people were putting on Facebook. Uh, and I could tell, yeah. I mean, I was like, okay, you have to be coming from a Catholic background because, you know, 
in in the Catholic uh, faith, it's you know it's an unforgivable sin. They 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 added that as far as being you know an unforgivable sin. And I, to me, I was just like, dude, man, I don't know. I was I was really bummed out to see this this guy's like, you know, his response, you know, which was all, uh, you know, you haven't even repented yet. I mean, and now you're dead. So you're dead and you haven't repented of that sin. So how can you go to heaven? Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, that sucks for me because what if I'm driving my car and right before I rear in someone, I go, oh, S, (laughs) really loud. And 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 I'm dead. Well, well, I didn't repent. I'm screwed now. What what people don't understand is the the power of a cuss word can actually undo the work of the cross. Like well, instantaneously. Uh, apparently, I'm, I'm teasing. Uh, listeners, please. <laughs> I'm being, that's called sarcasm. Well, um, apparently, anything can. And all I could keep coming back to was you had said to me one time, you were quoting somebody else. Uh, and I, I think it was you who told it to me. But basically, you'd said, if you can sin your way out of God's grace, you're going to do it. <laughs> like, there's yeah, no oh. way you can't. Like, but you can't send your way out of God's grace. Yeah. I mean, doesn't the garden teach us that? Like all, all God had to do was go, Hey, there's a tree. I don't want you to eat from it. And they immediately went tree. What tree? <laughs> you know, it's like that that's human nature. That's who we are. Even in our unfallen state, we seem, we seem to be drawn because we're volitional beings. We have free will. We seem to be drawn, uh, towards things that uh that 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 we shouldn't be and of course they needed the enemy to deceive him and all that but uh, without getting super deep and theological yes we would the garden teaches us that we would find a way to send our way out of god's grace if there was a limit but by the grace of god christ's sacrifice was an eternal infinite sacrifice on behalf of mankind for the sins yeah well th- one of the points that this guy was making is he's like oh basically you're telling everyone who's struggling with suicide that they can go ahead and kill themselves and they can still go to heaven and i'm like dude that is not at all what she was saying like i read the article i'm like no you know, she's talking it, to the family she wants to let the families know look your 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 child if it was like in her case where her child committed suicide that doesn't mean that they're excluded from heaven because they committed suicide. See what yeah. I'm saying? This isn't really smack talk. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Though, it bothers it me, is. man. Smack talk can be anything. It doesn't have to be stupid. But here's the thing is, you know, uh, what, what the Internet's done is it's made cowards brave. So that guy, to me, to be talking to a woman like that, uh, particularly well, a mother t- who lost her to, child. He, was, he, was, he, was, he wasn't talking to her. But if she posted something and he put a comment on it. No, no, it wasn't. It was an article. Oh, okay. It was a news article. Right. You know, okay. and he just so shared it, was it about on her it. and he commented. Okay. Yeah, it was her. Was she was speaking say, to some group and that was, you know. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, you know, there, there's a sense in which common decency would say if a mother is commenting on the suicide of her son, particularly if she's saying something, you know, about him not being in hell. For for anyone to go and and publicly imagine the horror if somebody said no, he's in hell, right? Like to to say something like that is just uh, absolutely unacceptable. Even gospel preachers won't preach and say, you know, as they're preaching a funeral for a non-believer. By the way, the person in the casket in front of you is in hell right now. Like you, there's just a certain decorum and decency. Like that would actually shame the gospel. That that would be seen as you know you're you're being you're you're absolutely doing the wrong thing, you know regardless of of what truth you think, you might actually think well this guy did know the Lord maybe he is in hell but um, but but it would be the wrong thing to say in that context and so for me with the internet just to watch people that it's removed accountability from our statements I I believe words are powerful and that. You know, there's a reason why our words are attached to our bodies. Our mouths are attached to our bodies. We, we've been able to remove accountability for what you say. And that's why we've got all this litigation now. That's why they're starting to rethink rules about what you can and can't say. I'm all for free speech. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we, we've always had accountability. You wouldn't say things in public that you might be tempted to say on the Internet be, behind the privacy of a screen. Oh, totally. 
Totally. And, and it's made cowards. It's made cowards bold, unfortunately. Yeah, it's given them the uh, the bully soapbox, and they'll go up there and say whatever they want. And I, you know, the thing too. I mean, I couldn't even read all the comments because pretty much all of his friends were agreeing with him. And I, I actually don't know how the article showed up in my feed because I don't know who the guy is, except that I think because he did like one of those. He posted an article and he put with so and so. And I did know so-and-so, like they're, they're a friend. We've actually had them on as a guest on the show. And I didn't see any of his comments um, in the post because I would have liked to have seen what, what he took on that or, you know, how, how he dealt with that. But being an evangelical, and it just sounded so much from the, the, uh, the, the Catholic viewpoint. Like even yeah. the people who were commenting, you know, I'm not sure if they're Baptist, but you know, that's a Baptist, you know, once saved, always saved. They really believe. And I was like, okay, so there must be like a lot of Catholics over here and, and that whole idea of uh, suicide condemning you to hell, um, which doesn't even make any sense. Cause like, what if your suicide is a righteous act that saves someone else's life? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you volunteer to be killed. Well, that's technically suicide, but if it, you know, it saves someone else over there, uh, you know, it, it, like it logically, it doesn't even make any sense. But anyway, back to my point, my, uh, my, my point of, of this was, you know, he was also talking about depression and stuff like that. And that's when I was like starting to go, okay, you're more and more starting to show how much of an idiot you are. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, I've got a close family member who suffers from, uh, depression. Yeah. Lifelong this person has had this issue in their life, will always have it in their life, has uh, attempted suicide. I don't even know how many times at this point. Um, and and I've got what I would consider close friends who deal with this like suicide, like depression, like massive depression. And, and they have attempted suicide. And it's like... Yeah. You don't like, I don't deal with that. I don't have that. That's not my cross to bear, but I'm not going to all of a sudden like negate, negate it for someone else. Cause I get that there is this real issue out there with yeah. depression and, uh, you know, chemical imbalances and, and all that 50, stuff. 50% of the population has been diagnosed with depression. And that's that's just the people that have been what diagnosed. kind of depression, like situational depression or like any, any type of depression. So it can be it can be situational. It could be a time in your life could be uh, a lot of pastors get diagnosed with situational. You know, depression. they do. They do. Mm. I think it's, it's related to stress. I think. Yeah. You know? And I think pastors, too, especially when you start dealing with a pastor who's nothing like me. Of course, I'm not a pastor. Right. I'm the I'm the pastor who would be like, suck it up, buttercup. I'm the wrong kind of pastor, right? So a yes, real pastor, are. a real pastor, you know, like the shepherd type. I could Absolutely. so see those guys dealing with depression because there's so much more um, emotional people than I am. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I'm just a, I'm just a jerk pretty much most of the time. So. <laughs> well, so here's my smack talk. This is totally switching gears, but you know it's going to come back to Star Wars. Oh, so uh, the new toys, uh, Force Friday was last week, and uh, I went to uh, you know for my kids, of course. I, I went to Toys R Us later that day. Does and, that mean uh, Obi Wan Kenobi went straight to hell because that was kind of suicide? He didn't bother to fight back against Darth Vader. He well, let he was Darth a Vader Jedi, kill him. and in, in you know, if he was a Catholic, of course, you know, you go straight to the Sarlacc. Maybe thing. that's why they're there in ghost form. Maybe they're in purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> and Yoda too, right? Yoda just closed his eyes and slept the sleep of Jedi dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you go straight to the Sarlacc pit, man. We were slowly <laughs> digested for thousands of years. If uh, if you do that, but luckily Obi Wan was not a Catholic; he was a Jedi, and like his father before him, um, he uh, yeah he 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 was able to to live on and rock on in the Force another day. So anyway, back to your Star Wars story that I interrupted with. I was trying to connect the two. Yeah. Hey, um, my computer's bugging out. Can you you are you still recording me? Okay. Yeah, you're good. You get me? Okay. Because our video absolutely froze. But, uh, but hey, so uh, I went to Toys R Us. I, I went to Target. Of course, you know, for totally mundane and justified purposes. Uh, but I did not find anything 
um, in either one that that even remotely interested me. Now, I would have been interested in that little BB-8 droid thing, but that was like 150 bucks. But they were sold out, so it wasn't even a temptation. But I did happen to walk through Barnes and Noble the other day and come across the Stormtrooper Helm mug, complete with removable head. They actually had that same thing at uh, Target. Yeah, it, it. I'm telling you, it's cool. The new stu- Stormtrooper helmet's just awesome. I love it. <laughs> because, is that because the eyes wrap around all the way around the mouth? Yes, that's exactly why. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the new helmet, but I love it. You know, um, I was at Target. After our podcast, I was like, okay, I have to go to Target. And then Jamie tells me that she's like, oh, yeah, you guys should have come with us to Target because after dinner, uh, Friday night, we usually go do something. And I don't remember what we did, but I was like, I don't want to go to Target. You go to Target. I'll take Luke and we'll just hang out at the house. And she's like, oh, they had all this Star Wars stuff everywhere. And um, so I finally went to Target and I walked down the aisle that had all the Star Wars stuff. Now, it was pretty well picked over, but they had this bike. Did you see the bike? Have you seen the bikes yet? No. It's it's uh it's you know a regular bike for an adult that has tires on it that are i don't know between five and six inches thick on the front and on the back wow and one of them is a stormtrooper bike and the other one what? is a uh, darth vader bike with these really thick tires on it so you can See, feel like you're you on shouldn't a tell me these things because i could probably fit on these bikes that's a problem it's it, now it, temptations entered my life now i want to go get a star wars bike I, I, well, I've been wanting a bike because I've been like, you know, I want to get in shape and I, I don't want to sit on an exercise bike for hours. So I'd rather just ride around the neighborhood. And I was like, man, maybe I should actually get this bike. Wow. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets had to fall off. Hey, man, why else would we talk about Star Wars, right? <sighs> I, I don't know. I really wanted that bike, though. And I, I would have done it, but honestly, with tires that thick, all I could think was, <laughs> I bet you that just sucks to ride around on. It looks cool, though. It really does. I've never seen it. was a Huffy, though. I don't know. When I was growing up, Huffy oh. was like the cheap bikes. No, no. But when I was, okay, they were. Yeah. And so raised by a single mom here. But <laughs> that's you what know, you had was, was a Huffy? I had a Huffy. I had a black Huffy, but dude. I had a Nash they, skateboard. That was like. The worst skateboards you oh, can dude, have. I used to wear like tough skin jeans. We talked about it. There's a certain cross section of humanity that knows exactly what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> but uh, man, I had a bike and it was like kit off of Knight Rider. They couldn't come directly out and make it like a Knight Rider bike, but the way they designed it, it it felt like you were riding. If kit were a bike, you know, and and I'd I'd, I'd ride around and have conversations with myself. Hey, Peyton. Up over that green hill, there's some bully kids. Don't go over there. Thank you, Kit. Boom. Take off the other way. Michael, your logic in this case is totally illogical, and yet it's absolutely correct. This is just amazing. No, Kit. It's just human. <laughs> I was a lonely kid. Hey, when are we going to redo the intro to Church Planner Podcast to be yes. the, uh, the intro to Knight Rider? Yeah, I got to go on Fiverr and have some dude make it. Do, do you think someone on Fiverr can make it? No, <laughs> it's going to cost more than five bucks. I'll tell you that. I'm going to go on iMovie and make it. There you go. You're actually really good at that. That iMovie stuff. I just made one today. Did actually. you? Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess I, we should probably I, actually get into our topic because um, <laughs> I don't know. We're uh, our smack talks run a little bit long. Yeah, it, it it is running long. All right. Well, let's get on to preaching then. All right. Hold on a second. All right, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All right, so this week's topic is on preaching. And uh, with that, I'm just going to let you talk because we talked about last week or two weeks ago how um, no one in their right mind would ask Pete for sermon prep, and yet Doug Teal did. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I find that awesome. That's like coming to me for marketing advice, right? (laughs) You know what they could come to you for? Here we go, right back to the smack talk. Hey, Peyton, I'm launching this marketing campaign. Can you help me out? <laughs> hey, Peyton, I really need some help with my logo. What do you think about this? That's where your strength lies. Yeah, but you know, you grew up in a Baptist church, so you'll have a lot of thoughts on this. And you're a human being. You've listened to a lot of sermons. I think I think people know more than 
than than what we give him credit for. I, I like Lloyd Jones's definition of preaching, where he said that really preaching is an ongoing conversation between the the preacher and the congregation. Because when you're preaching, there is there's a dynamic that's there between you. You know when you've lost the people in front of you. You know when they're like, what are you talking about? You know when you're going too long and they're looking at their watches. There's definitely those dynamics. And it is, even though it's a monologue, it's it's a subconscious dialogue too. You, you know, like when you're looking out and you're seeing people are just like crying, you're like, oh, wow, God, God must be in the house because I don't know what I said but this is really touching these people's hearts and uh, you know, so there is that dynamic to it. Cool. Are we done? Yes. I, I think, I think we definitely need to make, you know, me, right. I'll preach about preaching. So we definitely need to make sure we're, we're interacting and, and reflecting on this because I can fill hours of a podcast on this, but well, I know I've actually heard you preach. I know you can fill hours. <laughs> Well, you know, I would start by saying preaching is under attack, and that's mm. not new. It always has been, um, and it probably always will be. You know, the the interesting thing about preaching is that, um, think about it, right? In the early church, Paul talks about the preaching almost as if it's like, you know, this is what people need because hearing comes uh, by the Word of God. And how will people hear the Word of God and believe unless someone preaches it? And so preaching can take many forms, but I want to talk about what you do on a Sunday. If you're in a missional community, there's always going to be someone who's presenting something. Um, yes, we teach one another through discussion, of course, but um, there's also a place, you know, for, for those who say, well, I don't believe in preaching. Um, and that's kind of a trendy thing. Well, you just go back to are the you New saying, Testament. Are you saying pastors are saying that? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. You you can hear right now. Um, you, you hear guys saying, "Well, the early church didn't have preaching." That's not true at all. In fact, yes, there was interaction and there was discussion, but both the synagogue style had teaching with discussion. Uh, and yes, there was proclamation evangelism that Paul does. Yeah, at Mars I don't Hill see how you can say that one with a straight face at all. Yeah, but you know, because people don't know their their Bible, probably because they've suffered a dearth of well, preaching. What do they think Jesus did? Well, exactly, right? He was a preacher. He says, "I have come to preach the good news," um, and and so people say, "Well, preaching means proclaiming." You can you can preach any time. Well, no, the preaching of the Word of God, and 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 it can be different forms. I'm allowing that, but the sermon itself, the idea of a sermon is something that is biblical. Jesus gave sermons. And I think that people who want to do away with the 30 to 40 minutes that a gifted preacher gets where he can he can either exposit or prophetically speak into the lives, applying the word of God, whoever wants to get rid of that, I just think they're nuts. Now, I would say you benefit from adding on to that, maybe, you know, particularly in a church planning context. The idea of adding on discussion as well as preaching is wonderful. But there, there are people who would advocate, for example, Pete, they would say, well, you know, in society today, we don't have monologues anywhere anymore. Everything is conversational. University teaching is conversational. And remember, I'm, I'm the conversation guy. I'm all about conversation. But I will not ever sacrifice the ability for one guy to be able to proclaim and to teach. Um, that is powerful. And Paul advocates for that. And he practiced that. Not, not only did Paul, but Peter did. And um, even when he's with Cornelius, you know, he stands up and he preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel on Pentecost. I mean, you can't get away from the idea that people spoke in monologue form. And our society still has this. So right now we're in the political debates. There's monologue. Um, we have, um, or speeches, we have, uh, comedy, right? Um, stand-up comedians will listen to one guy talk. And so this is, it is one form like a speech or like a, a stand-up comedy routine. Um, it is one socially acceptable way to proclaim the truth and why people would want to get away, you know, get away from that when it's still socially acceptable is beyond me. Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, um, you also have to take into account that people learn in different ways and people absorb information in different ways. I myself uh, really get a lot out of seminars, which is essentially all monologue. Yeah. And um, very rarely when you go to a seminar, is there active feedback, but those are even better. You know, when you can have discussion and you're, you're kind of like exploring new ideas together as a group. And what about this? Or what about that? I myself get a lot out of that. Now there are other people who don't get much out of that. That's not their great way to learn. I know some people who would rather curl up with uh, Charles Spurgeon and just like really dig into a book and get a lot out of it. Yeah. So, but yeah, to say that like preaching is, I don't know, um, not necessary. I, I think that's crazy. And I think you neglect a lot of people who, who learn that way and who absorb knowledge that way. Yes, absolutely. And, and the reality is, is it, it's the opportunity that you have, like in discussion, I'm really a big believer, but at the same time, the preacher, if a guy is called and gifted, it is a gifting of the Holy Spirit, preaching and teaching are gifts that not everybody gets. So, so in, in the history of the church, there's always been a place for people with that gift to really emphasize it. So like when Paul says, if a man's gift is teaching, let him teach. So you, you, you have that in Romans 12, but, uh, the, the preaching of the word of God is, um, you know, it's one of those places where you can literally rip someone's thinking, uh, inside out. You can philosophically change the worldview and the world is constantly preaching to our people. The TV is not interactive, by the way. I mean, people sit Mm. for hours in front of a television Mm. and get preached to every night. And so for me, I'm always jealous. You know, I'm, I'm a little resentful, but I'm always a little jealous. Like I only have a very small uh, window of time to actually compete with that line of thinking. Now, hopefully they're, they're reading the Bible and they're praying and they're interacting with God. That just makes preaching all the richer. So, for example, if I preach to a congregation where nobody does that, it'll probably take 30 minutes for people even to get warmed up to really be that receptive to what you're saying. But when you preach to a group of people and you can feel the dynamics in the room and they've been walking with God, it's like the spirit just has open road. You can feel it as the preacher. I always liken it to the coals that um, if I take, you know, a, a, a single coal that's red hot, so AKA the preacher and stick him in the middle of a bunch of black coals, the congregation, um, it'll take a while for that coal, you know, about 20 minutes to, um, to, to heat up, you know, the, the coals around it and to start ashing those over anything it contacts. But if I take a red hot coal and I stick it on top of already red hot coals, those coals are eventually all going to get white hot because the, the collective heat of, you know, that, that red coal that I take and stick on that pyre of coals that's already warm it's going to heat that individual coal even hotter, right? And that's what happens. So when you got a congregation that walks with God and a preacher that walks with God, there's a prophetic element to the preaching where God is among you. And that happens through interaction, like Paul says, the spiritual gifts. But that's what I think has been lost in preaching. There are guys that approach preaching as if it is the time where you give a homily, right? It always sounds so pansy-ish to me. You know, I'm going to give a homily, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give people a chuckle and, you know, maybe just make them think, no, you're not there to share your opinions. You're not, you are there to proclaim. That's a, that's a man's word to proclaim. That means that you have an authority. That means that you're not there in your own name. No one gives a rip about what you say. And if you think you're clever, uh, God has a way of humbling you up there, but guys think when they go up there that it's just, I don't think they understand what it really is. I don't think they understand the prophetic nature of what preaching is meant to be, that it's a time where we've just heard from God or, you know, we, we, God's just heard from us. Now we're going to hear from God and we'll hear from each other and that'll be God working through each other. And we do discussion, 
But during that time, it's not that that man is God's mouthpiece in the sense of, you know, some weird cultic way. But it's literally, like I said, the spirit comes upon the preacher to anoint his speaking. But it also comes upon the congregant to anoint the hearer, how he hears. Remember, Jesus used mm. to say, be careful how you hear, right? That's a, that's a, a that's a, um, uh, an imperative to the listener to say, you need to be listening in such a way where you're hearing from God. And, and, and so we need to have that dynamic. It's been lost because many guys just go up there and they want to be hip and they want to be liked and they got daddy issues and they go up there and they want to entertain people and have people like them. And when you go up there to glorify yourself, the spirit stands back and goes, Mm-mm, sorry, I'm, I'm not here to glorify you. Mm. And he, he, he wanes, he departs, he stands aside. Okay. I'll just let you do your thing. But when you're there to lift up Jesus, the Holy Spirit, like Jesus said, when he comes, he'll glorify me. Then the Holy Spirit goes, all right, now I found someone I can partner with, someone who will lift me up. And when that happens, then that man becomes a conduit, one in purpose with the Holy Spirit to magnify and glorify Jesus. He becomes an amplifier and that power conduit runs through him. Mm. Yeah, man, that's... uh that's some that's some you know deep deep info and yeah uh, I think it's unfortunate but I just I, you know you see it so much in the televangelists right they're they're not there to lift up God they're there to lift up themselves and I and I realize it's a blanket statement there's got to be you know some televangelists that are good I don't, I don't know who they are because I don't <laughs> <laughs> really watch them nor do i pete nor do i there's got to be one somewhere right i mean just statistically <laughs> yeah. there's got to be yeah there's a children's book called the called the uh the lonely televangelist and it's about the one who could actually preach well. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new book you've been working on isn't it absolutely <laughs> with pictures <laughs> well there's got to be a lot of pictures because there's not gonna be anything else in there no and um but it's like I, I remember when I was in uh, college, I was checking out. You know, actually, I don't remember if it was the Masters College, which is where my sister went. I went to Biola, and I remember talking to someone. Is that one of those two? And they're like, "Oh, so you know, what are you thinking about going to college for?" I'm like, oh, "I want to go into radio." And I always loved radio, which is I the reason why I think I like the podcast. I mean, I always like I always wanted to be like the morning DJ. The, those are the guys that have all the fun that get to joke around and get to do smack talk and get paid for smack talk. That's really yeah. what I want in life. Just get paid for smack talk. And um, he, the guy goes, you know, he goes, and this is, you know, way back in the early nineties, he was like, you know, the problem with uh, televangelists is they don't have a good reputation, which mm -hmm. obviously they don't. He goes, but radio. Yeah, there are sharks on the radio, but it still has a good reputation. It does. And it still does to this real. day. Yeah, because people are being real. And I think that's one of the, you know, we're going to find a lot of similarities there because, you know, in times past, um, I mean, look, preaching hasn't changed and the soul of man hasn't changed. People's perspective on preaching has definitely changed. But what happens is in this age of non-leaders, uh, what has happened is rather than leading people how to think about preaching biblically, they've just cowed, Right. Um, I, I find this generation of, of non-leaders, um, and I call them non-leaders, they might hold a position that doesn't make you a leader. You can, you can be a pastor, you can um, be whatever, and still not be a leader, not have the gift of leadership. And we've got a lot of people now in pulpits that are just not leaders. They might have a big platform, they might be a best-selling author, and they may still not be a leader. And Well, so interesting might, you say that. I think it's because... Our model in church is getting behind the leader, the guy who's up in front. Mm -hmm. Our yeah. churches don't have the team leadership like that you talk about. And what was the name of that book um, back in the day? What was it? Team, uh, church Church Zero? Was that it? Oh, yeah. Way back when. Church Zero. Cha-ching! <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, like you talk about in that book about having team leadership most of our churches do not have team leadership. Most no. of our pastors 
didn't grow up in a church that had team leadership or didn't, you know, after they got saved, go to a church that had team leadership. So they don't even know how to duplicate. And we duplicate what we know and what we see and what we've been taught. Yeah. And so, yeah, we end up with people who, for whatever reason, we make them the pastor and they may not, I mean, that they might, like you said, might be good at teaching, doesn't make them a leader. Well, and, and when you when you pick a pastor, a lot of times you look at, did he go to seminary? Did he this? And you know, it's a whole other subject. But normally they only listen to the guy preach a few times, a handful of times. And he might have that day preached a really good one or he may have made, may have made people laugh or cry. But his those might have been his best sermons he ever preached and he brought them to the table. Um, but really he can't preach. And he's not a guy who per- particularly believes in preaching. And I would say that's happened a lot where... In an age, you think guys don't believe drunk? in preaching. I just, I still can't get over that. Like, what's the point of being a pastor if you don't believe in preaching? Well, a lot of guys they see it as almost like a motivational speech, and they're like, "Well, yeah, it's good for people to be motivated," but they don't understand what biblical preaching is. We're in biblical preaching, right? Whenever you see the apostles, there's always a message. There's a couple couple elements of biblical preaching. Number one, there's the text. There's what God said. So what's always important for a preacher, and we'll talk about this when we talk about preparation, um, but you, you, you always need in preparation to have things like, you know, the text in front of you, because this is just a sneak peek into another topic. But if you're not saying what the Holy Spirit already said, why would he help you say what you're about to say? Mm. You know, if you're just making stuff up to say that you think will motivate people towards God, good luck with that. But, you know, there's a whole book there of stuff the Holy Spirit already said. And if you really want to see life change, you fall in line and you exposit and expound what the Holy Spirit already said, because I promise you, he will honor what he's already said. <laughs> so in, in one sense, again, um, we are delivering things that you preach with his authority because you're preaching his words and his thoughts and you're helping people connect with that. And, you know, it, it's kind of like this, right? Uh, Marilyn Manson, years ago, back in the 90s, remember him? Um, he he made this statement on uh, prime time. Marilyn TV. Manson or Charles Manson? Marilyn Manson. Um, he he said, "Parents, if you don't raise your children, I will." And so I always like to say, "Welcome to the generation of Manson's babies." Right? They have grown up um, being more influenced by media than mom and dad. And so you know, here's the deal: is we're so like I said, like the soul man hasn't changed. But this generation is at a place where there's very much a lack of respect for authority. So the average, you know, person from, you know, this generation, they, they listen to a preacher. And I even notice it with the guys that disciple. There's been a change over the last 20 years. I start off 20 something years ago as a youth pastor. And I've noticed, uh, almost kind of, um, a latent arrogance in some of the younger guys, kind of like that saying that, you know, uh, young men think old men are fools. Uh, but old men know young men are fools, right? We, we, we've been that fool. So, but there's a, a sense of kind of arrogance in them that I didn't notice years ago. Now, now let mm-hmm. me say this. That could be because 20 years ago, I was very arrogant. You know, I'm sure I'm still very arrogant. But, but the reality is, and maybe I perceive it now as time has gone on, but, but there is a sense in which their view of preachings change because to this generation, to look at someone in a position of authority, um, there's an immediate distrust and what's their agenda and why are they there and what, what are they really after? Um, there's this assumption that anyone in a position of authority is out for themselves. And so when a preacher gets up there, immediately everybody's mind in this generation goes to what they've experienced in the media. The old Southern boy who's up there, he's fat, and he's seeing prostitutes on the side, and he's raking in the money, and he's the biggest hypocrite, you know, uh, on the planet. And so, you know, to this generation, when you go up and you start to speak as an expert on anything, particularly religion, you're like a blowhard. You must be an arrogant jerk, jerk that thinks you're better than anyone else. And so one of the, the key things is, is just to know that, that as you mentioned about being a, a, a radio DJ, the reason that radio DJs still have 
a good reputation is they're real. They're just honest. They're just themselves. And so preaching has to have that sense of, I'm up here talking, but I'm no better than you. You know, I'm a, I'm a jar of clay. My message is the treasure, but it's in a jar of clay. It's it, almost apologetic. Sorry, it's coming through me right now. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and I think you and I made that decision. We've talked about it time and time again, that we're going to say things on this podcast that are powerful, that are of God, that are of the spirit. But, but I'm still stubbornly clinging to the fact that we also want our listeners to get to know us. We also want them to see the real us because this generation, if you're going to minister to the postmodern generation, I mean, you and I could very easily set ourselves up on this podcast as gurus. And <laughs> not, we could have not that. so much me, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you, you're in, you're in that world though. I mean, you're very much in that world where, like you said, that the seminars being that guru, you know, being that guy who has all the answers, you know, that's how a lot of guys market themselves in the entrepreneurial world. Well, not only um, that, but do you know how easy it is to sell those guys when what you sell them is to their ego, you sell them yeah. more fame. Yeah. And I think, you know, tying that back into this topic, the problem is, is when the pastor is more interested in that, that's an issue, right? Yeah. Like when, like if I could sell to a pastor's ego, that's a problem. You know, it's funny when I was a firefighter, all of us had other jobs and we were retained firefighters, what, what they call them, um, which means you're on call and you work part time at the fire station. You're, you're not full time. So we all had other jobs and I'll never forget this stand up comedian. Um, he, he comes up to me one day because we're, we're at like the fireman's boot camp, you know, it's like your basic training and uh, it's two weeks long and we're, we're at this thing. And he, he, he asked me, he goes, oh, so you're a preacher? And I go, yeah. And he just asked me out of the blue. He goes, do you ever struggle with arrogance? And, and, and I just went, yeah. And he, he just goes, huh? And it like, just saying that being that real to him kind of broke the back. Like I ended up sharing the gospel with that guy, like big time. But I asked him, you know, I came back around, we talked for a bit and a couple minutes later, we were doing something else, you know, I was on a break. And, uh, I said to him while we're working on something, I go, how did you know to ask me that question? Cause I didn't know where it was coming from. If he just thought preachers arrogance and, and he goes, I'm a stand up comedian. And he goes, uh, and I struggle with that. And I thought it has to be the same for you. And of course, then I made a joke about, you know, you know, I go hardwired into, uh, uh, preaching, which I'm sure is same as stand up comedy is, is the ability to be humbled very quickly. And I see that as God humbling me. And, um, and so it was great to open up opportunity, but I, I think people need to see you as a real person. And the, the way I think that that is most easily done, the way that you can dispel that, um, I would say a prejudice against preaching is to be yourself. And if you're a funny dude, be a funny dude, you know, uh, use humor. You, you look at Charles Spurgeon and no one could accuse that guy of being a stuck up jerk. He's funny as heck. I mean, he is just, you just read, I've laughed out loud reading his sermons because the way that guy's he was, he was, he was just had a dubious mind. He just always thought funny stuff. And when you read his writing, it's hilarious, but you see it coming through in his preaching. And you know, that just absolutely disarms people. And that also gets you to step out of the limelight to where you're not glorifying or magnifying yourself. You know how Paul says for some preach themselves, but we preach Christ. Mm. There's some people where they're in there. And he even mentions another place that um, he says, you know, uh, we're not as many peddling the word of God. He talks another point that you can be in that pulpit and not be in it for the right reason. Um, he mentions again that, um, you know, for some preach out of selfish ambition, but some out of pure. Um, there's just different, you know, some people want to go up there and be respected. Some people want to feel like the big man on campus. Some people want to. The only reason to ever set foot inside of a pulpit is to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and that is to magnify Jesus. And so, um, you know, just to, to end, because we're getting out of time, aren't we, Pete? We, we actually have a few more minutes because we, oh, great. We, Excellent. we had a little uh, little break there in the middle. <laughs> okay, good. Well, 
you know, uh, it's kind of like when Paul was preaching, right? Um, and John the Baptist too. John the Baptist has thousands of people flocking to him. And they ask him, they say, are you the Christ? And I love the way that the scripture puts it. It says, and he confessed that, no, I am not. I love that he, there's a confession there. You know, there's almost kind of this, you know, gosh, it would be, it would be a, 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 like I could really ride this right now. I mean, I, for all intents and purposes, I look like I might just be a, a you know, a runner up for Messiah here. And he just confesses and says, I am not. He denies that he's a Christ, but there's one coming after me. And Alistair Begg used to always say that the preacher's job is to proclaim the way, to point the way, and to get out of the way. And that's what John the Baptist did. He pointed the way, he proclaimed the way, and he got out of the way. And, um, you know, Paul and Silas, right? They're preaching, and the people begin to chant, you know, the voice of God and not of a man, the voice of God and not of a man. And Paul's horrified. <laughs> he's like, he's, he's actually stopping them from sacrificing to him. And, and a good many leaders could learn from that, where our people just want to talk about how awesome we are. And, um, you know, Lloyd-Jones used to say that he always felt that he failed as a preacher if people came up to him and said, wow, that was amazing. He felt, hmm, that's the effect it created, huh, that my sermon was amazing. And, and, and he wasn't a morbid, introspective guy, but, you know, he had been a Harley Street physician assistant to the to the to the queen's physician he, he didn't need a lot of kudos out of the pulpit he he, he had been an, an impressive guy in his own right but what he said was but if somebody if he overheard somebody saying afterwards isn't christ amazing i mean can you believe he's done that for us you know like someone actually staggered by the truth and and pointing back to god he was like then i know i nailed the reason I was called to do this. Mm. I think that's important. You know, don't drink mm. your own Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> I think this is a topic that um, <laughs> it's going to need a follow-up because I, I mean, really what we've hit on in this episode of the podcast is just the, the preacher himself, not even the preaching. Yeah. Like connecting with the audience. Cause it's almost like, okay, you've got to have the right frame of mind as a pastor yeah. when you're going to be up there in yeah. front. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, ego and impact, right? Those are the two things that every pastor is dealing with when they get up to preach, ego and impact. And it's mm. when the ego becomes bigger than the impact, that's when there's a problem. But, okay, great. So now we've dealt with that. Now it's like... <laughs> You know, there's so much I think we need to talk about as far as preaching. Yeah, absolutely. And I I knew going into this that this isn't going to be a one hit wonder. Yeah. Like we'll we'll need a few episodes on this because there, preaching is complex, and there's so many pitfalls, and there's so many. Uh, it, this is you're right. This is kind of almost like an introduction to preaching because again, I just don't think people know what it is and what it's meant to be and why we're doing it. You know. Um, I think that, you know, we're talking about the Bible and, you know, it's inspired by God. The Bible uses the word that it's God breathed. Uh, and of course, the spirit is always the one who breathes. And um, we want him to breathe afresh through this. But the preacher himself has to to let God breathe into him. Um, otherwise, he goes up there and, and there's always mixed motives when you're up front. Like you said, ego and impact is always there. And so on that scale... God, there's this emptying process that I go through when I'm in the prayer room or even if you ever notice me before I preach, I'll worship a bit. But then there's there's a time where I might have my head in my hands. I might be in the side in the prayer room. You know, I might need to go get along with God and just have it out. And it comes from when I started preaching in front of my church. Um, at the time, my pastor had a drug problem. And we didn't know. And so it's always been a humbling fact that, you know, the way I got into ministry wasn't because I was so awesome. And this guy saw me and said, man, you're so incredible. You need to be in ministry. You're called by God. I got into ministry because, 
you know, the, the pastor in front of me couldn't really hold it together with a drug problem. And I was, a, I guess, an idiot. And, you know, I really wanted to preach. I was leading my friends to Christ and I was speaking in the youth group and God was blessing it. But I was a warm body, man. And I always remind God, hey, I got into this through the back door. <laughs> you didn't call me like you call everyone else. I'm sure I'm called. But, um, but I was too young, man. I was 20 years old when I stood in front of Refuge Huntington. And it was sizable at that time. I mean, it was probably about 600 people at that time. And so I was standing in front of 600 people at 20 years old preaching. And I was not up to the task. And so when I was in the prayer meeting after the worship team exited, I stayed in there. And I did business with God. And my prayer was something like, God, help me not screw this up for you and for them. Because at that time, you know, obviously with my pastor being a mess, there were people with cocaine problems and going to jail and all kinds of stuff. And I was getting called into to marriage counseling at a young age. And it was just, I was like, Lord, these people are a mess. And I can't help them. You know, it's kind of like David putting on Saul's armor. I, I, I can't. I can't wear this. I can't. And so I would literally be, and I'm not exaggerating. I would literally be on my face, like almost crying back there going, God, help me. God, give me your Holy Spirit. God, anoint me. Make this more than me. I can't do this because I didn't know if I didn't preach well that someone might be dead the next mm. week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like someone might have ended their life. Someone might have... um just been showing up to church thinking, hey, you know, um, I, give me one reason to go on and live. There have been times I preach, you've heard it, in Refuge Long Beach. Like for me, it's life and death where I'll be preaching and I always pray God speak prophetically through these people. And sometimes I'll show the cards. I, I'll, I'll let slip that this is prophetic. And, you know, the last time in Refuge Long Beach, I was like, one of you in here, you know, I just sense you know, God is saying to you, boom, 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 and you want to take your life. And you and, and the guy goes, I was going to take my life today. And if you hadn't preached this, I would have taken my life. And, you know, um, so to me, it's, it's a big deal. And I knew that at a young age. And so my desperation would be just throwing myself at the feet of God and just saying, I'm a mess and help me and, and, be the power kind of like the old uh uh there was an old revival in wales i mean it was the land of revivals but there was a preacher there who um it, someone someone wrote you know our our preacher you know if he were to be likened to uh you know a piece of clothing he wasn't very impressive he wasn't made out of fine materials he was a tatty ratty old sleeve but then they wrote in their in their journal but today god's arm filled that sleeve mm. And, uh, and that's, that's probably a good place to, to, to end. Those are the moments that we long for as preachers where you stand outside yourself aware that there's a power there that God has spoken through you and it's no longer you speaking, but you're carried along as men are by the Holy Spirit. And those are the times, man. Like I said, when, when Jesus was done speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, it says that they marveled at his words. And it, the, the word in the Greek says literally marveled that they were stunned. And I've, I've seen preaching like that. My mentor, Peter, Peter Jeffrey, he preached in uh, Laguna Beach once. And when he was done, for minutes, everyone just sat there. Now, in Southern California churches, that didn't happen. People don't just sit there like, people are literally just stunned. Like, no one knew what to do. The power of God was so strong in the room that uh, everyone just stood there. Like, there was this hushed like reverence, like we just met with God, like what in the heck just happened in this room? And it was so stinking powerful. And so those are the times for me I've tasted. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 for me, I always, I don't know, man, I think once you know what preaching can be, you know, it, it changes everything. I dig it, man. I dig it. I think this was a, a great way to end this, this uh, introductory to, uh, church plant preaching amen brother but um, amen you know i'm gonna actually cut out something from earlier before so we're gonna redo it right here because i don't like how okay, we did it sounds good <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you something there peyton as we're uh as we're winding up this episode 
and we're dealing with these guys who uh, preach, who have church plants, uh, many of them are not what we would refer to as a math pastor. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I have no idea. I don't know where you're going with this, Pete. And they're, they got all these issues with like bookkeeping, payroll, IRS compliance, all that type of stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, gosh, there has to be a way that they could simplify church and make well, it easy Pete, for them. Now there is. What is it, Peyton? Simplifychurch.com. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Simplifychurch.com is... Hmm. It's a way that you can get all of your bookkeeping, your payroll, your IRS compliance, your insurance compliance, all that stuff. Workman's comp. Payroll for pastors, specifically for pastors. You guys are in a different category. ADP out of the box doesn't do it right. No one else out of the box does it right because you're pastors. It's unique for you. But these guys, that's all they do. It's run by a church planner. They work with church plants. They know how to do it. Go to simplifychurch.com. Contact Josh Henry. Let them know that we sent you, and they can hook you up big time. Amen. Well, hey, guys, thanks for joining us. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where no one's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.